Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodger fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast, trade deadline edition. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are 58 and 43, which is good for three and a half games ahead of the San Francisco Giants in the National League West. So let's keep it rolling. Even though the Dodgers lost the series to the Toronto Blue Jays, we got some trade deadline talk that we're going to focus on. The Dodgers are making moves and what better person to bring on than NBC Sports own Michael Duarte, who covers the Dodgers, the Rams, the Lakers. If you follow these teams, you absolutely know who Michael is. So it's a privilege to welcome on for the first time to the Inclined Dodgers podcast. Michael, the Dodgers already leaving this as an exciting day for you. They traded for Kike Hernandez yesterday and they traded for Ahmed Rosario today. I didn't even expect that one to come. Yeah, they're making they're making moves on margins right now. I know, I know I like Kevin, you know how Dodgers fans are just as much as I do. And before I jump into that, again, thank you for having me on as well. The privilege is mine. Uh, and thank you for that introduction. But, you know, I know people want – I know Dodgers fans want to hear the splashy name. They want to hear Shohei Otani is coming. They want to hear Nolan Arenado is coming. They want to hear uh, Max Scherzer, a reunion, is coming back. Or Justin Verlander, a guy the Dodgers uh, had some interest in in free agency this past offseason. So – I know when they bring back a guy like Kike Hernandez or, or go get a good defensive shortstop and Ahmed Rosario, these fans are hoping and expecting more, I guess. Uh, I know a lot of fans in my DM is going, uh, when are the coming? When are, when is the Otani's coming? The Scherzer's coming? I think, I just happen to think uh, before we jump into it, that this is a trade deadline for for sellers right now, right? There's only a handful of teams that we know are selling, but there is three times that amount that are buying right now. And they all are in the starting pitching market, or at least big most of them, a majority of them are. And so I really think this is a seller's market for those teams that have decided to sell and do have starting pitching available. And it's going to be just a bidding war for all these teams. I think like we, we hear today, the news that Shohei Otani it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, but he's most likely staying put with the Angels. That that should not shock anybody the way the Angels and Artie Marino have operated uh, over the years. 
And I think the, the chances that he was going to become a Dodger via trade by Artie Marino, who hates the Dodgers notoriously, agreeing to ship him down the five freeway was never, ever going to come to fruition for anybody. So the fact that he's staying put is probably a good thing. I think it gives the Dodgers a better shot at getting him in free agency, at landing him as a free agent, especially if the Angels miss the playoffs again. And so I think you're going to see not a whole lot of big names being moved at the deadline. I think you're going to see more smaller moves at the margins like this. And I just think that all these moves are going to come down to the last few hours of the trade deadline once teams finally decide once and for all if they're in or they're out. Uh, and we can go into more insight about like how these trades work and the names that the Dodgers are, are talking about. But uh, to go back to your original question, uh, I think a reunion with Kike Hernandez didn't surprise me at all. I thought that was something that made a lot of sense on multiple levels. First and foremost, it seemed like the Boston Red Sox were done with their Kike Hernandez experiment. Obviously he had a great year for them in 2021, really solidified himself. Uh, as a as a shortstop, a center fielder, he helped them win a playoff series against the Tampa Rays, if I recall. In fact, I think it was Kike Hernandez who who ended up being at the plate and knocking in the game-winning run to send them to the next round. Uh, so he had a good 2021 with them, a little bit of a of a digression in 2022, but this year he just completely fell off. Uh, one of the third worst hitters in the American League. I think he has five errors at shortstop for them. Uh, his playing time had diminished. And the Dodgers needed a utility guy, a right-handed bat off the bat, a guy who can play multiple positions. We know that's what they like. And they saw things on tape that they believed if he came back and, and got with hitting coach Robert Venskoyak, that they could fix some things offensively. Obviously, he's familiar with the team. He's familiar with the players. He's familiar with the front office, with the stadium, all that. Uh, and Boston was ready to move on, and it wasn't going to cost the Dodgers much of anything. They liked those kind of trades and those moves. Uh, I, I thought Noah Syndergaard would also be traded at the deadline because they would like to ship some of that money they owe him out. Uh, so getting another guy like Ahmed Rosario, they're just kind of piecing together these right-handed, these, these right-handed hitters off the bench that do well against left-handed pitching to, to address some concerns they have. These moves tell me that the chances of them getting a guy like Nolan Arenado, which I know fans want to see are probably slim to none at this point. Uh, so, uh, again, improving at the margins, and I expect to see more of that here in the next week or so. We'll go to the big names in a second. Uh, yeah, you hit on a lot of good points. Um, I want to emphasize, I do feel like the Dodgers are still at the salad bar with these moves they're making. Uh, Kike Hernandez was not going to be their big move at the end of the day, and the Dodgers proved that today. As you mentioned, they also traded for Ahmed Rosario, but giving up Nick Robertson and Justin Hangenman really isn't going to scorch earth whatsoever. The Dodgers got Kike for free, you could argue, because his most of his salary is being paid off as well. And you, you mentioned that the Red Sox were pretty much done with him anyways. I think there were a lot of unfair expectations thrown Kike's way, going from Xander Bogarts to Kike Hernandez as your everyday shortstop. Defensively, Hernandez did take a big downturn as well with Boston, but we've seen in the past he's a tremendous defender and he's still pretty young. He's only 31. So it's, it's easy. To ex it's easy to expect a bounce back defensively for Kike and already with the bat, he had two hits in his debut with the Dodgers. So number eight, that is his new number. In case you didn't know, number 14 is retired in case you wanted to bring out your, your old school Hernandez jerseys, be prepared that he is wearing number eight now in honor of Kobe Bryant, the mama mentality. He said it himself, but I like the move. I feel like 
Kike is especially clutch in the postseason. You mentioned his huge series against Tampa Bay, but even as a Dodger, he had some big moments. The NLCS home run game seven off AJ Minter. He had a big home run off Steven mm-hmm. Strasburg that nobody ever talks about because of the way that game ended up. Um, three home runs in the NLCS. So Kike Hernandez is a guy when the moment is at its brightest, he can come through 13 home, 13 postseason home runs is enough for me right there. 900 OPS. So I'm a big narrative in that kind of stuff. So I like the move. Amin Rosario, I do find this move a little interesting because it's another infielder. Not terrible. I mean, 265 hitter, 306 on base, 675 OPS. Last season, you you did mention he's a good defender. Last season, he did have a plus defensive metric at shortstop. But this season, he has a minus 15 defensive run saved at the position, which is kind of interesting to me because of how bad Trey Turner was at the position last season. I kind of want to ask you, Michael, what does this mean with Miguel Rojas? Does Is Miguel Rojas getting shafted to the bench because he just wasn't getting it done with the bat? Are the Dodgers favoring offense now instead of defense? Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's a good question, and it's something I'm looking at as well. I think what you're seeing with these moves, and I'm going to keep going back to getting a guy like Jake Marcinic off of waivers. Um, you know, that was a small move on the margins that, that people saw. Um, so they, they've been doing a little bit of moves. Like those, these three moves, Marcinic, um, Ahmed Rosario, T.K. Hernandez, they're all trying to address this Achilles heel and weakness that the Dodgers have this season, and it, it's funny because over the last 10 years or so in this playoff run where they've gone to the playoffs 10 straight decades it's almost like every other year or you know two out of three years they struggle with left-handed pitching and they always have to try to address it at some point uh so to me this is addressing that right now Kike Hernandez uh already told us today in the media and Dave Roberts confirmed it that basically he's going to be playing and starting against left-handed pitching um so that tells me that the Dodgers as they've done periodically over the last few postseasons, are going to have um, a 
platoon lineup of sorts against right-handers. They're going to go out there and field. And then against left-handers, they're going to go out there and field. That means guys like Jason Hayward, James Altman, you can see against right-handed pitching and guys like Kika Hernandez and Ahmed Rosario, you can see against left-handed pitching. To me, um, Miguel Rojas, great defensive shortstop. I think he's a guy that he's not necessarily going to get diminished playing time because of this, but I think you're going to see him coming in late in games for defense. Um, after Ahmed Rosario has maybe gotten three at bat, uh, you know, against left-handed, right-handed pitching, he's a guy that can kind of come off the bench. Um, that's to me where I maybe see that. I think bigger impact is a guy like Miguel Vargas, who we all thought yeah. 2023 would be the year Miguel Vargas kind of ascended and, and you know, became the next Gavin Lux, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, as you will, you know, a guy who could contend for rookie of the year. James Altman has kind of stolen that mantle, a guy that we didn't even think maybe was going to be on the opening day roster. He's done that and proven he's a, you know, top five rookie of the year candidate in the National League this year. And even though we had a little bit of a lull there in the early summer, he's now coming back and turning it on again. But I think the bigger impact is this tells me Miguel Vargas is probably staying down in the minor leagues until call-ups come. Uh, and, and potentially, I could also see any of these guys getting moved in another trade if it helps another team. Um, if Miguel Rojas, you know, is wanted by somebody, maybe with Rosario here and Kike now, they decide to make a move there, um, knowing that Gavin Luck hopefully should be healthy and would come back and be your starting shortstop next season if that's what they want to do. So I wouldn't be surprised if any of these three guys we just mentioned, Kike Hernandez, Ahmed Rosario, or Miguel Rojas, uh, could go out in another deal. And if not, then I think they still have a way to play all of them. Absolutely. Yeah, you brought up a good point. This does kind of spell the end for Miguel Vargas in the meantime, unless there's an injury. And it almost certainly means that Michael Bush's future with the Dodgers has probably come to a halt. Um, if I'm Miguel Rojas, I'm a little paranoid right now, and I might be looking at apartments in Chicago just to be ahead of the game. Just going to throw that out there right now, because they are a team that does need a shortstop, and we don't know where Tim Anderson is going to end up after the trade deadline. Um the last thing I will say with Rosario, besides me liking the move, 303 left 303 hitter against left-handed pitching this season. So that is a platoon advantage right there. And the fact that he has three home runs, 40 RBIs, and nine steals doesn't hurt either. So I, I'm excited. You mentioned that you don't think there could be potentially big moves coming like Nolan Arenado, but I did hear on Dodger Talk last night that a few people reached out to Vasse, whoever they are, and they claim that Arenado might be on the trade block. And so it's not necessarily me, but a lot of Dodger fans are asking right now, are the Dodgers legitimately in the Nolan Arenado chase? I don't think he gets moved. Uh, I don't think he wants to be moved, but I think if he does get moved, I think the Dodgers would be his number one option. Now, the Dodgers are kind of that team, and Andrew Friedman is such an aggressive general uh, president of baseball operations that he is, He's in on everybody, right? If there's a guy yeah. that's available, that's a big name, I promise you Andrew Friedman has made a call and say, what's it going to take to get this guy? What what package would you be looking at? And all, and then now we can kind of dive in a little bit to how these trades work. I've been doing this now. Uh, this is my ninth or tenth season, I think, uh, doing this. And it took a couple of years to get sources and have built relationships with players, front office people, uh, agents of those sorts. To, to get to the point where, you know, I can 
I'm not going to be a Jeff Passan or a Ken Rosenthal and be able to break something ahead of those guys. Those guys right. are so in-depth, they're getting news fed to them. But if, if I can check in with my sources regularly, I have an idea of, of what things are happening. And so when I go on radio or podcasts or write articles, you know, I at least have some knowledge of, of the calls that have been made and, and names that have been kind of addressed in these situations. And so over the years, what I found is essentially – there's a, usually a centerpiece of a trade, right? So you use the name Michael Bush, for example. Let's say hypothetically, and this is not what I've heard, but right. let's say hypothetically the Dodgers are like, we want Nolan Arenado, and the Cardinals are going to look at their scouting reports on the Dodgers farm system and their top 30 prospects, and they have their own individual grades and targets for guys the Dodgers have that are not necessarily – like I see fans throwing out you know, trade – suggestions all the time and it's like you know you might think this guy you know Diego Cartaya is a number one on everyone's list but he might not be graded that way by the Cardinals scouts of their organization but maybe the Chicago White Sox have him graded super high and he's a guy they've been scouting for years and they love so it all depends on that now maybe their centerpiece is Michael Bush and then they're like and we want two guys from this category, right? Like a tier two and tier two can be like, they'll send a list over and it's like five or six names. And the Dodgers will be like, are we okay with parting with one or two of these guys that are in this tier two category? Usually that's how those trades kind of go down. It's not like it has to be these three guys set in stone. It's usually a centerpiece guy. And then a couple guys in the next tier two, tier three, and they're a little bit interchangeable. It's based on how the opposing team that they're trying to make a trade with uh, grades these guys in their scouting department. And then that's how these trades come, come through. Sometimes the asks right off the bat are really high. It could be like the centerpieces are Diego Cartaya, Michael Bush, and, mm, you know, a Gavin Stone, right? And the Dodgers are like, no, you know, we're hanging up the phone right away. And they check back in and see if that price has gone down. But usually at the trade market, and especially, as I mentioned earlier, in a market right now where the sellers are have all the power and all the buyers want starting pitching, the Dodgers are going to have to overpay for the starting pitching that's available right now than if this was the offseason, for example, uh, or, or a time differently. Like they bought low on Kike Hernandez. Andrew yeah. Friedman is a guy who likes to buy low on players, a la J.D. Martinez, Jason Hayward, Noah Syndergaard, you know. We can go on and on. He's a buy low guy. He doesn't like overpaying for guys. He wasn't going to overpay for Shohei Otani when he can probably be in the driver's seat to get him uh, in the off season. And so these are also things to consider. So I can tell you, Andrew Friedman has been in on Nolan Arenado for about the last five seasons. He has called right. the Rockies previously to get Nolan Arenado when it looked like they might be willing to move him. I can tell you the Rockies did not want to trade him within the division. They did not want to trade him to a team they have to see 19 times a year. Obviously, that's going down next year. Uh, so that trade wasn't going to come to fruition, even though the Dodgers were right there and ready to get him. And Nolan Arenado is a L.A. guy. His best friend was Clay Thompson growing up. So, uh, And he's good relationship with Trace Thompson as well because he was such close friends with the Thompson family. He was a guy who would love to come play for L.A., and that's a guy the Dodgers have been coveting for his bat and his defense at third base for a long time. And I can tell you right now, if they had had Nolan Arenado at 
NLDS against the Padres in, in last season in, in the first round, uh, they probably would have beat the Padres just because his defense is so exceptionally higher than Max Muncy's uh, at that position uh, in that round, which I think there were a couple plays there, not just Max Muncy, but Trey Turner as well, as you oh, recall, God. that really hurt the Dodgers in that series. Yeah. And just to, <laughs> just to step up yeah, defensively at those positions would help them. So they're definitely in on him if the Cardinals decide to move him. I think the Cardinals feel like we were a playoff team last year. We should have been a playoff team this year. The NL Central is super weird. I don't think they think they can get back in the race, and even if they could, that they have a team that can win the World Series. But I don't think they want to blow it up. Like, let's say what what the Washington Nationals did, right? So I think they feel like if they can move some expiring contracts and still keep that that core of Arenado and Goldschmidt together, uh, you know, with some other pieces, they can be right back there next year. And so I don't necessarily think they want to blow it all up. And that's why I don't think Arenado gets moved. But I promise you, Andrew Friedman has called about it and is right there because that is a guy he absolutely 100% uh, loves and would love to acquire. Makes sense. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, everything you just said, you know, st- strikes true with me. Hopefully the Cardinals have a change of heart in get a little more serious with their Arenado Dodgers negotiations with the trade market. Two pitchers that we have. Go ahead. One thing I can say though, just for for your listeners, Kevin, is look at the names. You'll you'll be hearing these names, especially coming up. Jack Flaherty, Montgomery, and Jordan Hicks. Hicks, obviously a reliever. The other two starting pitchers. Yeah. Those guys, I think are more than more, more likely possible. One of those three potentially in a trade that the Dodgers could get. We can go into some of the names on the White Sox, but my gut kind of tells me it might be one of those guys and it might be one of the guys we can talk later about on the White Sox, but ultimately it'll be be Dodgers, you know, this time next week. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, Hicks was definitely a name we've been talking about for weeks, but I think I read two days ago, they're thinking about extending him. So that would immediately take him off the trade market which I guess kind of goes to your point of the Cardinals don't want to blow it up completely. And so Hicks is still pretty young. I think he's 26. So they don't have to trade him if they're going to try to compete next season. I was going to talk about the White Sox next because there are two pitchers that the Dodgers have been connected to a lot. Lucas Giolito, which makes a lot of sense. And then Lance Lynn, which honestly doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially after his most recent outing, Today, Wednesday, where now he has a six and a half ERA. The Incline Dodgers podcast is presented by TickPick. If you're looking for the best ticket prices out there on the market, make sure to download the TickPick app today to get the best deals to Dodger Stadium to see your Los Angeles Dodgers battle it out right now and try to take home another NOS title and hopefully win it all this season in the World Series. If you're a big music goer like myself, TickPick has tickets to all your favorite artists out there at whatever venue they're performing at in whatever city you live in. So it's not just limited to the venue down the street. If you want to make a trip out of it, you can go to Miami and go see um, Taylor Swift, I guess. What You know, just roll with it. TickPick, best deals, no service fees at checkout. Download the app. Yeah, I am right on the same page with you. And I know, again, that's not what people want to hear. Uh, it's not the sexy name. It was a sexy name a couple of years ago, um, but it's not necessarily the sexy name people want to hear. Uh, again, I have I have fans in my DM saying they want Dylan Cease. And yes, anybody if you would want Dylan Cease, but I don't think 
Dylan Cease gets traded, and I think that's going to cost you a lot. And again, Andrew Friedman doesn't want to pay a lot for guys that he might be able to sign or get in free agency or, or, or different deals and packages related. So unlike the St. Louis Cardinals, who think maybe they can move some guys that you know are expiring contract and still compete next year in a very weird you know NL Central, I think the White Sox are like, look, we went for it. We went and signed these big names. It hasn't worked. We haven't been able to get there. Now it's time to rebuild and blow this up and go young again uh, and try to go the way of the Reds and the Pirates and teams that are, you know, having a little bit of success here uh, in those leagues, uh, in, 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 in this weird National League year where the teams we expected to be ahead in the divisions are just not. So it's just been weird like that. So to me, this is a team that is willing to blow it up. Everyone's on the table, fire sale and sell high because all these teams are going to want these guys right now. So I, I think out of all the names we talked about, um, Lance Lynn is another name for, for fans to look out for. I definitely think the Dodgers are interested. See Joe Kelly, another old friend. Mm-hmm. We talk about bringing Kike back, a guy that they could throw into that deal, a guy that Joe Kelly would say, you know, hey, if you're going to trade me, I'd love to go back to the Dodgers. That's where I'm from. That's where my family lives. Like, send me back there, and I think the Dodgers would be up for that, too, because they could use the bullpen help and a guy that knows the system and everything. Uh, so, to me, I don't know, and Michael Bush might even be too high of a prospect for some rentals. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they might have to throw in a they'll, guy for they'll that. They'll throw in Grandall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought about that, too. I don't think that happens. Um not with you don't need an offensive catcher right now. I mean, Austin Barnes might get moved in the deal too. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if they can find some backup catching, I just don't think Grandall is the guy that they're going to want to bring in for backup catching. And his last year, he was not happy in LA. He was not thrilled at all. And so uh, I don't think that's a guy that they would want to come back. So you know, I I don't know. Maybe a Gavin Stone goes back, but again, I feel like that's a little too high. I think you nailed it with a guy like Pepio or Nick Crosso. Those are guys that are in that kind of second tier. Uh, River Ryan's another guy mm-hmm. that I know had had some success. So I think those are the guys you could see. I think you also mentioned Landon Knack. I think one of those guys going back is something that makes sense for a two month rental um, on, on this front. And obviously, there's going to be teams um, gunning for Lucas Giolito as well, but if he can kind of have a say in where he wants to go, I think the Dodgers would be at the top of the list. So he's, he's a guy, I think if somebody had to say name one guy, you know, out of the guys available, look, it's no secret. The Dodgers don't just need one front line, one front front line starter. They need two. So Lance Lynn could be one if they get a Cardinals guy or Lance Lynn and Lucas Giulio takes care of two. So I'm sure they're asking about him as well, but also, I know that the Rangers are interested in a reunion with Lance Lynn. I know the Tampa Bay Rays want him. The Orioles want him. Uh, there's a lot of names out there I've heard for Lance Lynn right now, a lot of teams that would be interested. Uh, the Marlins, the Angels, uh, two other teams that are interested. So if the Dodgers say they're in it with the best farm system, they are essentially making their other teams overpay for him so that they can underpay they're still going to overpay, but underpay mm-hmm. compared to Lance Lynn for a guy like Lucas Giolito or Jordan Montgomery or Jack Clarity. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, those are the big names out there. I'm trying to think who 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 else was uh, mentioned in the Dodgers rumors, but I feel like that's it for right well, now. My sources, my sources have told me they've asked about 
Scott Barlow on the Royals. That's a relief pitcher, by the way. That's a guy that, uh, yeah, that is a guy that that they've asked about before in previous uh, deadlines. So that would be interesting to see if they can swing it for him this time. Another guy they've asked about relief pitcher Brad Not Hand a... on the Rockies. Brad Hand, yeah, uh, he's a he's a guy they've tried to trade for before. Uh, David Robertson on the Mets, another guy they've tried to trade for and called about. Those are some relief pitchers you might want to keep your eyes on. Um, bigger names, I might add, too, as far as what's available. Uh, and then as far as starting pitching that I know they've asked about, um, they've asked, you know, they checked in on the Royals with Zach Greinke. I think Zach Greinke wants to stay in Kansas City, so I don't think he's going anywhere. Rich Hill, if the Dodgers want a reunion with Rich Hill, he's going to be available. He might be a guy that you might see these teams that are on the fringe like the reds who may not make the push or the angels like we talked about who might trade for a guy like that they're like let's get a guy but we're not willing to go big yet because we don't want to right he screams for some reason four games out of the wild card or something like that right um stroman is another name that dodgers fans like i know they've asked about but i don't think it happens i think stroman and bellinger might end up going somewhere together and I think the Rangers make sense for a lot of reasons. I just think it's funny because how badly could the Dodgers use Cody Bellinger this season if he's the Cody Bellinger of this season and he's been with the Cubs batting over 300 and playing exceptional defense, not the Cody Bellinger of the last couple seasons. But, you know, <laughs> they really could use him defensively right now and, and hitting over 300 the way he's been hitting. So it's funny because that's the guy that they had and could have had him for about the same price that the Cubs paid him this year. And, they let him go, uh, and now he might, you know, be a big piece for a team at the deadline trying to compete and maybe even against the Dodgers in the postseason if that were to happen. So uh, Stroman I don't think happens. I think some team's going to overpay, and I think it's going to probably be the Rangers, but I know there's a lot of other teams out there. And then the last one for, for fans to look at, I know they've asked about, is Eduardo Rodriguez on the Tigers. Uh, he's an interesting fit. Uh, I know – I think it's going to just going to depend on see how the dominoes fall for the Dodgers. You know what I mean? Like, let's say Lance Lynn is the first piece and then Jack Flaherty goes somewhere and then Stroman goes somewhere. Now the Dodgers might be like, okay, we need to get something because some of the bigger names have already gone off the board and we don't want to be left with like nothing. Um, I know the Brewers and the Orioles have both been interested in, in, in Rodriguez. So it'll be interesting. I know the Yankees would be interested in bringing him back. He's had a pretty good year. So uh, it'll be interesting. I just think he's got, um, I think he's got, I don't know, three years left on his deal that um, he can opt out of, which he might do just the way he's right. been playing. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. But that's another name for guys uh, that the Dodgers have called Nastaba. Appreciate it. Yeah, we we talked about Scott Barlow on our most recent episode, actually, and I was not a fan, and he's only been worse since. And I, I, when I found out he was in the Dodgers organization for seven years and couldn't pan out, was not through it of the idea for trading for Scott Barlow. But obviously, they need some high leverage relievers. And David Robertson is a guy I'd be absolutely thrilled with. I think he's made a lot of sense for the Dodgers for quite some time. And a, a rental, obviously. Hopefully, the Mets decide they want to sell some pieces off because they're not going anywhere. And We've heard Max Scherzer's name on the block. I don't think the Dodgers would trade for him again. Justin Verlander potentially could be traded. I don't think the Dodgers would trade for him either, given the fact that 2025, he has a vested salary of, 
I think 40 million or something if he pitches yeah, enough yeah. innings. So it just, it, I don't think that fits, but a lot of the other names you've thrown out there, they make a lot of sense to me. Um, so appreciate it, Michael. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with what, what's looking, what's, what it's looking like for the Dodgers and the trade deadline. Um, maybe we can come back to that at the end of the show, if there's anything else you wanted to cover, but let's just recap some games real quick and talk about how the Dodgers have been playing on the field with the current guys. So they lost two or three to Toronto. The game today was kind of a stinker. I don't know what's going on with Tony Gonsolin. He now has a 425 ERA on the season, 725 ERA over his last 36 innings thrown. He is really regressed from a guy that was an all-star last season. Uh, but I think the game that everyone wants to hear us talk about is the epic comeback Tuesday evening where the Dodgers were down seven to three in the ninth inning, put up a four spot with an epic rally. Chris Taylor driving home the last two to tie it up with two outs. That was the last time the Dodgers had scored four runs in the ninth inning since 2006 when it was the four plus one game against the Padres. So it's been that long. That just kind of shows you how relentless this Dodgers team has been this season despite a lot of people feeling like they kind of phoned it in during the offseason. But when you got a guy like J.D. Martinez, who has 25 home runs already this year after hitting just 16 last season, and then guys like Jason Hayward, who's just had a resurgence in his career, David Peralta has been playing some good baseball. And then, of course, the other guys like Freddie Freeman, who obviously is in his second year with the Dodgers now, putting up the numbers he's had. It's hard to really count this Dodgers team off. I mean, Freddie Freeman's already got 21 home runs, which ties his season, which ties his home run total from last season. So that's a Dodgers career high. 71 RBIs. He's hitting 328, 409 on base, 990 OPS. I feel like once the Dodgers got into Texas, something lit a fire underneath Freddie Freeman because he's been like the hottest player on the planet. I mean, he was even hotter than than that prior to Texas. I mean, look, Freddie Freeman is the I, I've interviewed him many times, talked to him. He's one of the few guys I like to go talk to and walk up to in the locker room and, and have a conversation with. He is the epitomization of consistency. And he will also tell you when you say, what is the most important thing you want? And he will tell you consistency. So it's not, I'm not surprised he's having the season that he's having. Um, it's incredible. And, and what makes, what makes it even funnier is because in any other year, Freddie Freeman um, just having the season that he's having and batting. What what is his average now? Um, three twenty eight, three thirty almost. Yeah, I mean, any other year, a guy batting three thirty is insane. But when you have Luis Arias and Corey Seager and all these mm-hmm. guys like you know for close to four hundred, it's absolutely just absurd. But the difference is in, in in spring training, I was talking to him and, and what was something he wanted to work on and emphasize this year, and it was his home run numbers, his power numbers. He said, you know, Mookie. Boogie had more home runs than me, and I wanted to have more. So I know it's something he was working on. Uh, J.D. Martinez has now helped that. So now you have Mookie, J.D., and, and Freddie all over 25 home – or Matt Bunch, excuse me, there, too. Yes. Freddie's about to join. I'm going to have four guys over 25 home runs. I don't think anybody else in the big leagues has more than two, and yet the Dodgers are about to have four. Um, what what Freddie's done is absolutely incredible. What Mookie's done is absolutely incredible. And if, if we want to just kind of have a, a larger conversation – as far as the Dodgers season overall, right? This, this season has had more curves than a roller coaster in it. Um, you know, this was supposed to be a down year for the Dodgers. They didn't make the big splashy uh, names that they've made in the past. They didn't go get 
a Cy Young, former Cy Young winner like Trevor Bauer. They didn't trade for Mookie Betts. They didn't go get a Freddie Freeman in the offseason. You know, every year there's that big, splashy name, and this year it just didn't have it. And I think everybody, including myself, expected this to be a down year. And I still argue that it kind of is, right? I mean, especially when you consider they won a record, NL record, 111 games in 2022. So from by those terms, it's a down year. But you can look at it in various ways, and that is – you know, to me, that, that 2022 team was arguably one of the best rosters ever assembled. And the shame Walker Bueller got hurt, because if he doesn't, I think that really helps them. And But but obviously, they lose in the NLDS, and that's just kind of the crapshoot that is baseball. And that is why so many teams are not sellers, even though they could be, is because you saw a team like the Phillies fire their manager midseason go on a hot run, sneak in, and go all the way to the World Series and become two wins away from winning it all as that second wild card team or third wild card team, excuse me. So, you know, I think I think a lot of teams see that and, and they that's, go make a run. That's who the that. Angels think they are. Exactly, exactly my point. That's why they want to be buyers now instead of sellers with teams leapfrog. So because of that and they see that, it can happen, and, we, and we've seen it happen. So it, it's just strange because that team should have won the World Series last year. They can't even get out of the NLDS. And it could be a team this year that had very low expectations that some people didn't even expect to make the playoffs, let alone win the NOS division. And maybe this is the team that somehow goes on the run and gets hot, uh, doesn't have the bullpen or the closer we all thought we had, doesn't have, uh, you know, the, the, the ace or two or the top two pitchers, you know, at the front of the end. But maybe they do something like the Phillies and, and they go on a run and they win it all. Team chemistry is important in that, and that leads me to talking about Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, who to me, they've put this team on their back this entire season. And it took a while for everybody else to come with them, but Will Smith has been there with them the whole time. Uh, J.D. Martinez, a good friend of Buddy and Mookie Betts from when they played in Boston. What a huge signing and underrated signing that has been. Jason Hayward, a guy that was – was just gone. Just nobody wanted him. He was, he signed on a minor league deal and Freddie Freeman, who was like his best friend was one of the main reasons he signed here. So when you give, when you make your MVPs and your superstars and your all-stars happy, the guys that carry your team, when you make them happy, when you bring in their, your, their friends, when you bring in the guys they're comfortable with, uh, when you make the locker room and, and people doing the Freddie dance now is their celebration. When that happens, that's contagious, and it's like rubbing off on the young guys. And this team is, no, not the superstar team, the all-star team that that last season's roster was with Trey Turner on it and other big names, but they're definitely yelling and cohesive and having fun doing it. And so, like we said, they may just be a couple pieces away, a Lucas Giolito or Jordan Montgomery and, you know, uh, another closer, whether it's Robertson or Hicks or somebody in the bullpen – from making a big run, and this is the team that did it. And I've been saying it all season long because some people thought this team wasn't even going to make the playoffs. I said, as long as they're in the conversation, the discussion around the All-Star break, and you know, as it was, they were in first place at the break, the Dodgers would try to go for it and add pieces, and then it, you would never know because it just could be the, it could be the one year when we don't think they're going to do it, yeah. that they go around the table and they do it. And that's what it's been, and it's all been Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts who've been carrying this team uh, and carrying the torch. And now I think it's on Andrew Friedman to give him a little bit of help. But if guys can get healthy at the right time, and I know we keep saying they need two starters, and I think they do need two starters, 
But if Walker Bueller can come back in September and give him something, and I know him, he's the kind of competitive, fiery guy that he's going to want to come back and build up and be able to start, even though probably he won't be able to give him, you know, a deep run. Uh, if Kershaw can come back and be the guy that he is, I think they believe Bobby Miller is going to stay in this rotation and be a guy. And so if you have Julio Rios, Clayton Kershaw, Bobby Miller, uh, Tony Gonsolin, and then one other guy, if that's Lucas Giolito, like we talked about, that might be enough uh, to get it done with Walker Bueller kind of waiting there in the wings in case you need him or in case you want to piggyback him with somebody that could t- potentially give you six guys that you can figure out what to do with in the rotation. So, you know, they might try to go that route too and only get one big starter and a good guy in the bullpen. So we'll see. But yeah, Freddie Freeman and, and Mookie Betts have definitely carried this season. And I'm trying to think what the turning point was because it just felt like this team was treading water for the first two months of the season. Right. And it was like, are they ever going to catch the Diamondbacks? Are they ever going to get there? And I feel like it was right around mid June that they really started to, to make a run. And we've, we've seen the after effects on it because if you had told me this team would be where they're at right now, which I think is like 15 games over 500 at this point, um, second best record in the National League. I would have thought you were crazy. And right now, I think they look at it and they're like, the, the one team they got to see, and maybe they're on a collision course, is with the Braves again and another potential NLCS, uh, which would be a great matchup for TV as well. So, yeah, you know, you mentioned the turning point, and right after they got swept by the Giants, they had a matchup actually with Shohei Otani's Angels. They swept the Angels. You're, then that's they played the, the. You're right. You nailed it. Yeah, then they played the Astros, won that series, and they've just been on a roll ever since. Um, this might have been the first series they've lost since that giant sweep. Don't hold me to that. But the giant I... sweep, and they got blown out, what, it was like 15-0, to zero, worst loss at home, yeah. whatever. That, to me, was probably the moment. That, mm-hmm. to me, was probably the moment, that 15-0 loss. I know they lose the next day, too, but I'm pretty sure it was like a Sunday day game or something or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. But that moment, that big blowout, I think that was the wake-up call. Because like you said, they go into Anaheim, they sweep the Angels. I think they've won, what, like nine or ten straight against the Angels now. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat Otani, and then they just went on a run from there. Including, like you said, when they went down to, to Texas against the Astros and stuff, and Freddie started to turn it on. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that was the moment. Um, well, the, the one thing I'll say, though, since then, they're winning series, right? I think they were on a five-game series win streak that just got snapped by the Blue Jays now. They're winning series. And, again, in the nine years I've been doing this, when I speak to managers and front office executives and gems and stuff, that's what they just want you to do, right? They just want you to win series. And you don't need to go out there and, and win a game 15 nothing or dominate or sweep a four-game series. Just win the series and go on the next one. And they've been doing it. And that's going to ultimately get them to the postseason and, you know, maybe even win the division. But I just feel like since the all-star break, they've had so many opportunities to sweep. Right. And they just haven't had that step on their throats. Let's sweep this series mentality. You know, they will start Austin Barnes in the third game of a series if they've already won the first two. Uh, You know, they may bench some guys and give them some rest. Ultimately, that may pay off in the long run because the regular season's a marathon, not a sprint. But I just kind of, I just feel like they've left some wins out there that maybe might be valuable, you know, later or may help them catch Atlanta uh, as far as home field's concerned. I just feel like that's been out there. And 
you can look at this Blue Jays series the exact same way. Uh, I think they blew game one in extra innings, if I'm being honest. Oh, easily. They had two opportunities with the Ghost Runner and couldn't get a run home. That was that was pretty putrid. Yeah. Um, and then I think they stole game two. Absolutely. And, and then I think, and then I don't, like you said, I don't know what happened with Tony Gonsolin. He hasn't been as consistent as we'd liked him to. But, you know, this leads me back to last year again. And I, it was something I wasn't comfortable back with once Walker Bueller went down. And it was, you know, Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson were all stars. And I think they had great, great years with the Dodgers uh, or last year with the Dodgers. But I'm like, if if they're matched up with the Padres or the Mets, or the Braves, or you know any of these teams in the in the playoffs. Do I feel comfortable with behind Julio, like Tyler Anderson, your game two starter, or Tony Gonsolin, your game two starter against Matt Scherzer, yeah, against Jacob Degrom, against Blake Snell or you Darvish? I, I just didn't think they had it. And even though they did pitch okay in that series against the Padres last year, I just thought they were lacking a big game guy. And I think you're kind of seeing them both come down to earth as you've seen now with, with Tyler Anderson coming out of the bullpen for the angels and Tony not having the same year he had last year. Get some quick thoughts here on a couple of things. One, you mentioned it, the new Freddie Freeman dance celebration that premiered out in Dallas, Texas. You feeling it? Yeah, I'm feeling it. I love it. Um, And here's why. So first of all, it was kind of funny uh, during the all-star break, I went on a little vacation and I had a friend of mine from high school reach out to me. And she said her son's little league team was going to state. And if they won, they would go on the little league world series thing that they have in Reno, not the actual little league world series and in, in Omaha and Nebraska, but the little league world series, whatever their division. Mm-hmm. And she said, can you, um, can you, can you, she sent me a video of them playing and she said, can you get some Dodger players to to send them a video to pump them up for, for, for state? And I said, sure. And the video she sent me, they're doing the, uh, the old Trey Turner, Wolf of Wall Street, Mike head celebration. And I said, you guys are falling behind. The new celebration is the choo-choo train. She's like, okay, I'm going to tell them to get on the choo-choo train, which was started by David Peralta. And now it's gone, you know? So now that's not even relevant. If this little league team were to do that, it's the Freddie dance from the Blue Diamond Gala with Usher that, that went viral. And I, I, you just got to Google it and you'll see the original that he was doing during the Usher concert performance. The reason why I like it is because, A, I think it's great. And I mean, that's funny because we didn't even mention David Peralta's this underrated signing that I think he's got like, what, the second best batting average behind Freddie Freeman in the last like month or so. I mean, he's just been absolutely killing it too. It's another like just – you know, trash heap signing or bargain bin that we like to say Andrew mm-hmm. Freeman does and turns it into a diamond. So he's been great too. And I like when they empower some of the new guys to create these celebrations, right? It was Mookie three years ago with the dunk on him. It was Trey Turner and just his first full season with the Dodgers, you know, doing the Wolf of Wall Street. David Peralta in his first season with the Dodgers do, doing the choo-choo train. But I think about the Freddie dance celebration and uh, there's the story that Max Muncy hosted them when they were, you know, in the Dallas area. He's from that area. So is Clayton Kershaw. But it was Max Muncy who hosted them uh, in that series before the Rangers. And they all got together for a team dinner and a cohesive hangout because they had that off day before the series began after the Baltimore series. And that's when they decided to do that because they were making fun of Freddie's dance. <laughs> but it's the humility of that, right? It's the ability to bond around uh, – 
your all-star, your best player, arguably, uh, funny moment, funny viral moment, right? That now turns into a whole team celebration that everyone can kind of love and enjoy. Uh, it reminds me of like the bubble machine back in the day when you used to hit a home run. So I like it in the sense that it's personal and they're able to laugh at themselves and not take themselves too seriously. And I think that attitude will go a long way. Yeah, and it, lo- it just looks like they're having fun, and I think that's what matters. It would be a crime if I didn't mention my guy James Outman, who hit the walk-off double nonetheless off someone that, if you've listened to the show for a long time, know I was not a Mitch White fan whatsoever. So there was some <laughs> vengeance in that, and it felt good. James Outman, just besides the fact that he hit the walk-off double, he's just been on a great tear in the month of July. I think Michael mentioned it earlier where he was in a summer mm-hmm. slump. But the second half of summer, he's really turned it on. I mean, he's hitting 323 in July, a 940 OPS, three home runs, nine RBIs. And it even if he is striking out in some of these at-bats, he's at least working the count and putting up fights now. It's not like he's just rolling over on three-strike at-bats. And so it looks like if you were willing to place a bet on James Outman, you're being rewarded right now because he's adjusting and he looks like a true major league player. So... Great for James Altman. And then another thing, and I was kind of saving this near the end too, the reason I think the Dodgers are making all these trades for infielders is because Mookie Betts is just too valuable in right field. We saw what he did uh, the other night by throwing out Kevin Kiermeyer at home plate. You just cannot find someone with that arm, that skill set out in outfield. As great as Mookie Betts is in the infield, you can't replace him out there in right field. And what attack by Will Smith. That was a game-changing play right there as well. Uh, I believe that was in the top of the 10th. So this is why the Dodgers are making these moves, so that they can keep Mookie Betts out there in the outfield. Yeah, he's not even – that wasn't even a good throw to Will Smith to, to get that out, Kiermaier, at the plate. He brought him five feet off the line. It was just a great throw to get there ahead of Kiermaier and a great move by Will Smith to dive over to get him. And Kiermaier messed up. He could have just laid feet first and been – safe um by not doing that obviously it cost the blue jays a run and potentially the chance to just win that game and sweep the series so that was huge and i think you're right you know if you guys watched the all-star game you would have heard the conversation when and that was by the way great i love when these guys are mic'd up during the all-star game so to have freddie and mookie mic'd up together and mookie go hey freddie you know and when, when they came on i thought that was hilarious but they talked about it the fact that i think it was freddie who said you know, yes, Mookie's just a great athlete all around. He can play second. He can play short. He can play anywhere you want. But he's a all-star right fielder for a reason, a gold glove outfielder, right fielder. And, like, they kind of need him to, to stay there because they need him there. And so if they can get anything from James, Out- James Outman, and like you mentioned, in the month of July, he's batting 310. Um his slug is over 500 again. Like this is what we saw from Outman in that first month in April when he was crushing it. Uh, So it seems like he's turned a little bit of a corner, which I think is good. And they're not going to rely too heavy on him now because they've gotten some help with Kike Hernandez and, and these guys that can bat against left-handed pitching. So James can really focus on being the guy against right-handed pitching. So to me, uh, Outman's here to stay. He's going to be on the postseason roster. We just hope he can, can keep this up. And if he's not relied upon too heavily to play every single day, hopefully he can and will be able to do just that. Awesome. Well, Michael, really appreciate you coming on. 
that's all I got for today. Is there anything you want to talk about in general? It doesn't have to be Dodgers real quick to close out the show. Whatever's on Michael's mind. We're not just all baseball here. If there's anything you wanted to rant about or that's been on your mind lately, uh, I'll leave it out to you to throw it out there right now, or we can just, you know, call it a day. It's up to you. Yeah. You know, you know, you just said it's up my head, obviously Rams training camp is going on. I've been getting a lot of questions like that. I'll be going on the radio tomorrow uh, on, on NBC sports to talk about the Rams outlook, but we've done that enough. Um, you know, it's the Lakers off season, so there's not a lot there, but I want to talk about Ronnie James just okay. because you're giving me the mic and it's something that's going on. Uh, and obviously everyone saw this Elon Musk tweet about the vaccine, which just, just bad timing, right? Just tone deaf by, the the owner of what is now X yeah. the platform formerly known as Twitter, which just seems like he just keeps ruining it each week with some new uh, gimmick he's come up with. But, you know, I just want to say uh, we talk about sports and our lives revolve around it. For a lot of people, it can not only make or break your day or your month for some fans, your year, but we forget at the end of the day, all these people are human and you have arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time and the greatest basketball player of all time and LeBron James now uh, having to deal with being a father and being helpless in a situation where your son has this cardiac arrest, this event. So I hope that I really hope, cause we've seen this before with guys that they can't continue to play once, you know, whatever the condition is diagnosed that they have. I hope that's not the case for Bronny. Um, and I, I just hope that he he can get well. They can find out what caused all this. Hopefully get him back to a basketball court uh, sooner rather than later and let him have a long career um, because at the end of the day, we're people first. And, and you know, um, I really, really hope that, that he'll be okay and be able to continue his career and it's not something that is career-ending for him. Beautifully said. That is a NBCLA's own Michael Duarte. You can follow him on X at Michael J. Duarte. So make sure to give him a follow for all your Lakers, Dodgers, Rams, and other LA sports coverage right there. One of the best in the business. Thank you, Michael, for coming on. I hope you have a great rest of your summer ahead. Hope you have some vacation plans lined up as well. Uh, keep crushing and doing what you're doing. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate you too. Uh, we'll get ready for the stretch run here after the all-star, after the trade deadline, excuse me, and uh, happy to come on anytime. Hopefully we'll come on in the playoffs next. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Michael. Have a good one. The only thing that infuriated me about the only thing that infuriated me about this Dodgers seven to three comeback was the fact that it shouldn't have been seven to three in the first place, because why the heck are we trotting out Justin Brule in a one run freaking game? Because are you kidding me, Justin Brule? You trying to give up the game. And that's why you're back at Oklahoma City. Do better next time because, God, that performance was just an abomination. Thankfully, the Dodgers offense bailed him out. I mean, talk about clutch hitting by Mookie Betts, Will Smith, Max Muncie, and, of course, Chris Taylor. Thank God that was the comeback win of the season, without a doubt. Julio Urias labored in that game, but the fact that he even threw a quality start, he'll take it as a Dodger fan. This Dodgers rotation has just kind of been up and down all season long. It's what we've been talking about. The Dodgers had a chance to sweep the Rangers out there in Texas, but I don't know what's going on with Emmett Sheehan. He just has no control in his game at all at this point. He's locked, he's walking like five batters a night, and then it's just leading to a bunch of runs. And so the Dodgers definitely have some holes with Emmett Sheehan. 
Uh, even though Michael Grove is making strides, he's not pitching deep enough into games, and that's kind of haunting the Dodgers in the later innings, hence why we saw Justin Brule, uh, uh, Phil Bickford in his game. It's just it's kind of a ripple effect. Uh, and then Tony Gonsolin, he's become super unri- unreliable too. So the fact that the Dodgers have basically two starters that we can count on with Urias and Bobby Miller, that's why the Dodgers for sure have to get a starter, if not two. Um, the rotation looked pretty solid, but they've been falling apart and it's, it's getting worse and worse. I guess it's no coincidence why they're a bottom two statistically uh, touted rotation right now over the last month in the majors while the bullpen has really turned a corner. So talk about complete reversal roles. Everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the incline Dodgers podcast. Make sure to follow us on X. I guess that's what it's called now. Or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, where I've got some fun reels. And make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast or on YouTube. That really helps us go a long way. And if you give us a review, would uh, very much appreciate that as well. So everyone have a good week. I think the Dodgers are going to make some more crazy moves. And thank you to Fansided and TickPick. Uh, it's been a fun season, so let's keep it going. Go Dodgers! Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.